Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. To have the strength of mind to say, I'm not thinking about that. You can do that. Of course you can do that. You are in control of your life. You can say, today I'm not going to dwell on that thing. But you don't win a battle by concentrating on what you're not going to do because you are just concentrating on it in another way. What you need to do is think about something entirely differently that's opposite to it, that's good. If I was to say to you what the words of Paul, whatever is good, whatever is just, whatever is lovely and beautiful, think on these things. I know there would be some in this room who can't think of one thing that's beautiful or glorious or wonderful in their life. But there are thousands of those things. It's not that there aren't there. It's just that our mind has been so used to dwelling on negatives. We've been drawn towards the dark things. But if you can pull your mind out and just start to think about some beautiful things in your life. For one, think about this beautiful message you're hearing this morning. Amen. Think about the beautiful church all around you. Think about the beautiful screen up behind me. I mean, wow, it's amazing. But you see, here's the thing. I know people who have, they can think about all that stuff in a negative way. And you say, well, it's all right. right. Big screen. How much that got? You know, like, yeah, yeah. I like that. What's wrong with you? Amen. Switch it around and say, you know what? I'm going to be a born again person. I'm going to be a Christian. Amen. A positive, believing believer in this life, filled with the Holy Spirit, Shoulders back, noble person, elegant in life, speaking words that build and not destroy. I am going to be a different kind of person. I have got the born identity in me, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's discover who we are. So if you have a preoccupation with your past, it's going to stop you from possessing your future. So when we think about the future... It's an interesting thing. I was sharing a bit of this in our staff meeting recently. I thought about the appropriating of truth into our lives, which you'll hear me say that reasonably often, because it's the single most powerful tool that God has given us for taking unrealized realities that are in the Word of God, which are telling us what's in heaven, and making them realities in our life here. If you went around heaven today, you'd find warehouses full of packages, of blessings, of healings, of miracles that were meant to come to earth but have never been appropriated. They've never turned up. Because people didn't understand, you've got to recognize it's my reality before it is a reality here on earth. And I've found that when you build something in the spiritual, eventually it'll fall into the natural. That when you believe something and see something and accept something as a reality, in your spiritual world, in your future invisible world, if you keep walking in that faith, you'll end up colliding with it. And that's happened to me so many thousands of times. And do you know what? You sometimes collide with it and you think, I hardly even believe that. But here it is. It seems to me it doesn't take a lot of faith even. You can have the smallest faith in the world that something's going to happen. But if you just hold on to that little mustard seed of faith, even just a little grain of faith in your life, it's going to put you in line 
for the most marvelous future that you could ever imagine. It's going to be beyond your imagination, beyond your wildest dreams, that God has got a plan for you that's absolutely marvelous. And it begins the day that you are born again with your genetic code on the inside of you, that part of that destiny is to possess a promised land. So I thought about the greatest, the greatest story I understand of the Bible that gives us an illustration of how we possess that promised land is the Israelites coming out of Canaan, coming out of Egypt to go into Canaan. And as they, as they leave Egypt, they go through step after step after step to bring them into the promised land. And the Bible says in the New Testament, these things happen to them for an example to us as to how we can do the same. So here's number one, the first step. I'm going to give you seven steps to appropriating your future, to appropriating your reality, to becoming what you were born to do. The first one is that you have to leave Egypt to get into Canaan. You can't go to Brisbane if you stay in Sydney. It's impossible. You can't go to Perth and stay in Brisbane. I don't know anybody who'd want to do either, but anyway... Here we are in Sydney. God bless all you, you know, northerners. All right, I should have said Melbourne. But uh, here's, the, here's the thing. We are, we are only able to be fully immersed, the diver, only able to be fully baptized in one place at any given time. You can't be thinking, I'm going to have the world and I'll have a bit of Christianity too. I'm going to have a bit of my old negative self because I like being down on the doldrums. I get a lot of sympathy down there. And I'm going to, get, I'm going to have a little bit of victory as well. I'm going, to, I'm going to be a bit of a slave to an addiction. I'm going to stay down here, for, but I'm also going to get my freedoms up here. Can't be done. You've got to come out of Egypt, say, I'm leaving all that behind. And you should say that today. If you're messing around in Egypt, just say, I'm leaving today. It's over in Jesus' name. That taskmaster's had it. I'm going to rule in life. The worst thing on earth, you imagine being a slave, waking up, working 12 hours a day, whip on your back, and you never get a wage. No wage increase, no rights, nothing. You don't get paid a thing for your whole life. 400 years of slavery the Jews endured, the Hebrew nation. 400 years, that's a deep mindset. That's several generations of being slaves. And now God says, I want you to come out of that. I want you to get out of the mindset of being ruled to being rulers, of being victims to being victors. And he was going to take them through a wilderness into this immense victory, step after step after step, so that they could learn a new way of living, a whole new way of thinking. So you have to leave Egypt to enter Canaan. Number two, you need to stay with the tabernacle. You need to stay with the presence of God, which means you need to stay with the cloud, the, the people of God. As they went out of Egypt, God said, I want you to march together, and, and I'm going to move you regularly through this wilderness, 40 times, in fact. 40 times in 40 years, uproot, move, uproot, move. He wanted a generation of movers, a generation of pilgrims, not a generation of settlers. He wanted people who would stay on the move so that they'd just move right into that land and keep on moving and not sit down. He wanted a restless people, a people who felt like they're, they're on a journey. They're looking for a city that's not here, but it's in eternity. 
And so as they kept on uprooting, they needed to, they couldn't complain about that. Listen to me. Complaining is the language of victims. It's the language of people who feel they have no control over their life. And so as, as you'd say, uproot, we're going to move on. They needed to stay with that cloud because the cloud gave them shelter from the sun in the desert by day, and it turned into a pillar of fire every night. So when the freezing temperatures would come upon the desert, they were heated by this enormous outside heater, amen, just hovering over the entire... Now, if you decide, well, I'm just going to find my own track through this wilderness, you decide you're going to go off, find some other tabernacle, find some other nomads to get around the country with or whatever, or just go on my own, you find yourself without the covering of that cloud and of the fire by night. Number three, have faith in God. Move to the positive. Come on, lean in to the positive. It's not always easy. I mean, I, I've found myself believing, believing, believing for something and it hasn't happened, doesn't happen, doesn't happen. Years go by, years go by. Uh, dries up. Oh, God, I'm done. I, I, I don't know if I can believe this anymore. Let me try. But, you know, I'll just go to neutral. I'll trust you. And, and to, be, to be believing about a thing forever can sometimes be a drain on you. But, you know, I've found that when I reach the end of my faith, another faith kicks in called the faith of the Son of God. And I go through that little emotional flat period, but then I find I'm believing again. But it's not my faith. It's coming from Jesus who carries you, picks up and puts, injects a new kind of faith on the inside of you. And all you got to do is hook up with Him every day and He'll inject fresh faith into your spirit. Spend some time with Him and you cannot be but a positive person. He is totally positive. Not even death could hold him down. I mean, that's a pretty bad day when you die. It's a pretty negative moment. I mean, being sick is bad, but dying, uh, that's, that's horrible. And he didn't like it. He said he tasted death. <laughs> Spit it out. He said, oh, I don't like that. Rose from the dead. He's a very up kind of person. And when he's in you, he's very up about a lot of things. And he says, I'm up about you guys. You could have stopped that storm. You didn't need me. You could have stood up and just rebuked that storm. You can do this, what I've done, to the mountain. In fact, you'll do greater things than what I'm doing. He believes in you. You'll do what I'm doing, but you'll do greater things than what I'm doing. I'm going. It's up to you. And he's expecting us to realize who we are, not to have amnesia like Mr. Bourne, but to start to realize, my God, I'm trained. I'm a walking God unit. I'm a walking terror to hell unit. Amen. I'm a, I'm a terrorist in hell. I'm going to blow up darkness and introduce light to the world. You've got to see yourself as a climate changer, as an atmosphere bringer, as somebody, wherever you walk into a room, you brighten up the whole place in Jesus' name. Amen. And it's an astonishing thing when you see kings and queens walk into, into particular situations. 
Change the whole atmosphere. People recognize the nobility and the elegance that's in these people. Well, let me tell you, you are princes and princesses right here today, sons and daughters of a king of kings and the Lord of lords, walking through life with that kind of majesty on the inside of you. You're a worshiper of the Most High God. There's a lot more to you than meets the eye, friend. In Jesus' name, it's time to rise up and say, this is my identification. This is my identity. These guys forgot who they were. It says, there we saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. When they looked at themselves through the eyes of their problem, through the eyes of their intimidators, they felt like small people. But when you look at yourself through the eyes of the Word of God and not forget who you are, you realize you're a big person. Hebrews 10, 39, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That means that faith makes you a bigger person and moves you forward. If doubt shrinks you and takes you back, having faith will make you bigger and move you forward. Number four, stop, look, and listen to God before you take the next step. Understanding what you have as a possession is a basic piece of theology. But you'll find God has simple directions for you that are not that hard to understand each step of the way. He will speak it to you, and all you got to do is listen to Him and move forward. As I go through the Scriptures, I find every single one of the victories that people had were because they looked to the Lord. And if you develop in your life a little practice that before you do something, just look up. Say, what do you think, Lord? Don't go, bless me, Lord, as I do what I've planned to do. Surrender to His Lordship so that you're prepared for Him to make a change to you and your plan if it needs, it, if it needs changing. Now, I know, you, I know you love Him. I know He's cute. I know He's promised to take you to Paris. I know He's got... But why don't you go, what do you think, Lord? Uh, that's a little scary. I don't know if I trust Him with that. I've got this guy. Oh, that was a little close to the bone, wasn't it? Went real quiet in here. Amen. We're going to go into this partnership, Lord. Bless me as I go into this business partnership. No, no, no. Go. What do you think, Lord? Just a little change that has huge ramifications. Possessing your promised land, you're thinking, oh, this guy's got such a good promise about how he's going to make all these millions of dollars. This must be my promised land. That's the blessing of God. I know it is. God, put your hand on me. Bless me. Pastor, could you just put your hand on me? I'm about to move into this decision. You know, I'm just going to believe God. What about saying, what do you think, Lord? Should I or shouldn't I? Oh, that's where Jesus is Lord, not servant. He's not Father Christmas. Bring me this. I've been a good boy. He's somebody you submit to. And so when Joshua, the man of faith, the warrior, goes into the lake, he says, what do you think I should do, Lord? He says, walk around the city. Okay, I'll do that. Boom, boom, boom. Does it. Bam. He gets so inflated with the victory of that, he forgets what he did. And he thinks, I'll take this next city. It'll be easy. It's a little one. AI, he gets defeated there. 37 men die. He didn't look to the Lord. He didn't stop and look to the Lord. If he'd gone, how are we going to do this next one, Lord? The Lord would have said, there's somebody who took the tithe. You better go fix that up. 
and he would have fixed it and had another victory. But he didn't look to the Lord and didn't get the enlightenment that he needed right then. So each step of the way that you are possessing the land, stop, look, listen to God before you do the next step. Number five, be prepared to fight. There's going to be a fight involved. You're going to have to go into battle with some things. They push against you, you push back. They push against you, you push back. You're getting condemned, you push back. I'm forgiven. Comes again, I'm forgiven. You fight with that condemnation, that accusation in your mind, and finally, it's gone. You think, whoa, haven't had those thoughts for days. You got the temptation to do something that you gave up in the television or in your computer. Pushes, come on, come on, you push back. No, I made the choice. The fight goes. It's a fight. But fight the thing and you will win. God won't do the fight that he's destined you to do because it grows you. You develop muscles in the fight. Remember, the little things are as important as the big, number six. Don't be fooled by little challenges, which I've spoken about. AI, just a little town. Don't think that, oh, that little thing in my life, it's not really going to get me. Little things can get you just as much as big things. And the last one is seven, persevere, be patient. It doesn't all happen in one day. You won't possess all your land just because you're, oh, that's, that's a message I needed. My Lord, I'm a conqueror. I'm victorious. I've got the genetics of God. I've got my promised land. And boom, then you meet a big trial, big problem, or you find some fault in yourself, or you make a mistake and you stumble. You think, oh, what was all that about? Step by step, you'll make it. Not all in one day. You're going to gulp it down. In fact, God says in Exodus 23, 29, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Little by little you'll possess the promised land in this area and you'll possess it in this area, in your family, in your emotions, in your finances, this area, and you will gradually consolidate the ground you've taken, hold on to it, assimilate it into your world, and move on to the next one. Philippians 3.16 says, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by that same rule. So he's saying, let's stay on that level that we've managed to get to instead of dropping back. Better to go up six inches than six feet and not be able to hold it. Better to go up six inches, hold, hold, hold. Go up another six inches, hold, hold. Because uh, our level of growth becomes closely connected to our level of inheritance. Galatians 4, verse 1 to 2. Now I say that the heir, as long as, as, a, as long as he is a child, doesn't differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. So there is a maturing that comes in our lives that helps us possess all the things that God has got for us. Here I'm saying to you today, saints, there's more to you than meets the eye. You're the born identity. You've got some form of identification on you. When your card doesn't work, amen. Just tell them in the lobby, yes, I'm a child of God, amen. Let me in that room. But don't say, Pastor Phil told me, amen. Just as I close here, I can certainly understand how a person who's always fixating on small issues is going to end up getting very depressed in life because there's millions of them. And they're never going to stop. And once you fix that one, you're going to find another one. Because it's the nature to 
to not actually, it's not the issue that's the problem, it's in my attitude towards the issue. That's never the problem. The problem is never the problem. It's how I look at the problem. With big eyes, with a big heart, we can get through all this. Or if it's just going to get me and drag me down, and every one of us are facing issues all the time in our life. I've got to forget that and remember who I am. I can't go away from what the Word of God has said about me. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. I'm born to give Him the glory and not to be obsessing or fixating about other things in my past that are going to drag me down, words that people said, critics said, other people think, other people's opinions. I cannot be subject to those things, and neither can you, and you're not. When you stand up on the inside and you say, you know what, I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to lose myself or lose myself, and I'm going to not, not remember the things I should forget. I'm going to forget them. And so this literally means that you ruthlessly and forcibly put things out of your mind. That means you take the initiative to have the strength of mind to say, I'm not thinking about that. You can do that. Of course you can do that. You are in control of your life. You can say, today I'm not going to dwell on that thing. But you don't win a battle by concentrating on what you're not going to do because you are just concentrating on it in another way. What you need to do is think about something entirely differently that's opposite to it, that's good. If I was to say to you what the words of Paul, whatever is good, whatever is just, whatever is lovely and beautiful, think on these things. I know there would be some in this room who can't think of one thing that's beautiful or glorious or wonderful in their life. But there are thousands of those things. It's not that they aren't there. It's just that our mind has been so used to dwelling on negatives. We've been drawn towards the dark things. But if you can pull your mind out and just start to think about some beautiful things in your life. For one, think about this beautiful message you're hearing this morning. Amen. Think about the beautiful church all around you. Think about the beautiful screen up behind me. I mean, wow, it's amazing. But you see, here's the thing. I know people who have, they can think about all that stuff in a negative way. And you say, well, it's all right. It's all right. Big screen. How much that cost? You know, like, you know, you know. like that. Like, what's wrong with you? Amen. Switch it around and say, you know what? I'm going to be a born again person. I'm going to be a Christian. Amen. A positive believing believer in this life filled with the Holy Spirit shoulders back, noble person, elegant in life, speaking words that build and not destroy. I am going to be a different kind of person. I have got the born identity in me, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's discover who we are. So if you have a preoccupation with your past, it's going to stop you from possessing your future. So when we think about the future, it's an interesting thing. I was sharing a bit of this in our staff meeting recently. I thought about the appropriating of truth into our lives, which you'll hear me say that reasonably often, because it's the single most powerful tool that God has given us for taking unrealized realities that are in the Word of God, which are telling us what's in heaven, and making them realities in our life here. If you went around heaven today 
you'd find warehouses full of packages, of blessings, of healings, of miracles that were meant to come to earth but have never been appropriated. They've never turned up. Because people didn't understand, you've got to recognize it's my reality before it is a reality here on earth. And I've found that when you build something in the spiritual, eventually it'll fall into the natural. That when you believe something and see something and accept something as a reality, in your spiritual world, in your future invisible world, if you keep walking in that faith, you'll end up colliding with it. And that's happened to me so many thousands of times. And do you know what? You sometimes collide with it and you think, I hardly even believe that. But here it is. It seems to me it doesn't take a lot of faith even. You can have the smallest faith in the world that something's going to happen. But if you just hold on to that little mustard seed of faith, even just a little grain of faith in your life, it's going to put you in line for the most marvelous future that you could ever imagine. It's going to be beyond your imagination, beyond your wildest dreams, that God has got a plan for you that's absolutely marvelous. And it begins the day that you are born again with your genetic code on the inside of you, that part of that destiny is to possess a promised land. So I thought about the greatest, the greatest story I understand of the Bible that gives us an illustration of how we possess that promised land is the Israelites coming out of Canaan, coming out of Egypt to go into Canaan. And as they, as they leave Egypt, they go through step after step after step to bring them into the promised land. And the Bible says in the New Testament, these things happen to them for an example to us as to how we can do the same. So here's number one, the first step. I'm going to give you seven steps to appropriating your future, to appropriating your reality, to becoming what you were born to do. The first one is that you have to leave Egypt to get into Canaan. You can't go to Brisbane if you stay in Sydney. It's impossible. You can't go to Perth and stay in Brisbane. I don't know anybody who'd want to do either, but anyway... Here we are in Sydney. God bless all you, you know, northerners. All right, I should have said Melbourne. But uh, here's, the, here's the thing. We are, we are only able to be fully immersed, the diver, only able to be fully baptized in one place at any given time. You can't be thinking, I'm going to have the world and I'll have a bit of Christianity too. I'm going to have a bit of my old negative self because I like being down on the doldrums. I get a lot of sympathy down there. And I'm going, to get, I'm going to have a little bit of victory as well. I'm going, to, I'm going to be a bit of a slave to an addiction. I'm going to stay down here, for, but I'm also going to get my freedoms up here. Can't be done. You've got to come out of Egypt, say, I'm leaving all that behind. And you should say that today. If you're messing around in Egypt, just say, I'm leaving today. It's over in Jesus' name. That taskmaster's had it. I'm going to rule in life. The worst thing on earth, you imagine being a slave, waking up, working 12 hours a day, whip on your back, and you never get a wage. No wage increase, no rights, nothing. You don't get paid a thing for your whole life. 400 years of slavery the Jews endured, the Hebrew nation. 400 years, that's a deep mindset. That's several generations of being slaves. And now God says, I want you to come out of that. I want you to get out of the mindset 
of being ruled to being rulers, of being victims to being victors. And he was going to take them through a wilderness into this immense victory, step after step after step, so they could learn a new way of living, a whole new way of thinking. So you have to leave Egypt to enter Canaan. Number two, you need to stay with the tabernacle. You need to stay with the presence of God, which means you need to stay with the cloud, the the people of God. As they went out of Egypt, God said, I want you to march together, and, and I'm going to move you regularly through this wilderness, 40 times in fact. 40 times in 40 years, uproot, move, uproot, move. He wanted a generation of movers, a generation of pilgrims, not a generation of settlers. He wanted people who would stay on the move so that they'd just move right into that land and keep on moving and not sit down. He wanted a restless people, a people who felt like they're, they're on a journey. They're looking for a city that's not here, but it's in eternity. And so as they kept on uprooting, they, needed to, they couldn't complain about that. Listen to me. Complaining is the language of victims. It's the language of people who feel they have no control over their life. And so as, as you'd say, uproot, we're going to move on. They needed to stay with that cloud because the cloud gave them shelter from the sun and the desert by day. And it turned into a pillar of fire every night. So when the freezing temperatures would come upon the desert, they were heated by this enormous outside heater. Amen just hovering over the entire... Now, if you decide, well, I'm just going to find my own track through this wilderness. You decide you're going to go off, find some other tabernacle, find some other nomads to get around the country with or whatever, or just go on my own. You find yourself without the covering of that cloud and of the fire by night. Number three, have faith in God. Move to the positive. Come on, lean in to the positive. It's not always easy. I mean, I, I found myself believing, believing, believing for something, and it hasn't happened, doesn't happen, doesn't happen. Years go by, years go by. Uh, dries up. Oh, God, I'm done. I, I, I don't know if I can believe this anymore. Let me try. But, you know, I'll just go to neutral. I'll trust you. And, and to, be, to be believing about a thing forever can sometimes be a drain on you. But you know, I've found that when I reach the end of my faith, another faith kicks in called the faith of the Son of God. And I go through that little emotional flat period, but then I find I'm believing again. But it's not my faith. It's coming from Jesus who carries you, picks up and puts, injects a new kind of faith on the inside of you. And all you got to do is hook up with Him every day and He'll inject fresh faith into your spirit. Spend some time with Him, and you cannot be but a positive person. He is totally positive. Not even death could hold Him down. I mean, that's a pretty bad day when you die. It's a pretty negative moment. I mean, being sick is bad, but dying, uh, that's, that's horrible. And He didn't like it. He said He tasted death. Spit it out. He said, oh, I don't like that. Rose from the dead. He's a very up kind of person. And when He's in you, He's very up about a lot of things. And he says, I'm up about you guys. You could have stopped that storm. You didn't need me. You could have stood up and just rebuked that storm. You can do this, what I've done, to the mountain. In fact, you'll do greater things than what I'm doing. He believes in you. 
You'll do what I'm doing, but you'll do greater things than what I'm doing. I'm going. It's up to you. And he's expecting us to realize who we are, not to have amnesia like Mr. Bourne, but to start to realize, my God, I'm trained. I'm a walking God unit. I'm a walking terror to hell unit. Amen. I'm a, I'm a terrorist in hell. I'm going to blow up darkness and introduce light to the world. You've got to see yourself as a climate changer, as an atmosphere bringer, as somebody wherever you walk into a room, you brighten up the whole place in Jesus' name. Amen. And it's an astonishing thing when you see kings and queens walk into, into particular situations. Change the whole atmosphere. People recognize the nobility and the elegance that's in these people. Well, let me tell you, you are princes and princesses right here today, sons and daughters of a king of kings and the Lord of lords, walking through life with that kind of majesty on the inside of you. You're a worshiper of the Most High God. There's a lot more to you than meets the eye, friend, in Jesus' name. It's time to rise up and say, this is my identification. This is my identity. These guys forgot who they were. It says, there we saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. When they looked at themselves through the eyes of their problem, through the eyes of their intimidators, they felt like small people. But when you look at yourself through the eyes of the Word of God and not forget who you are, you realize you're a big person. Hebrews 10, 39, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That means that faith makes you a bigger person and moves you forward. If doubt shrinks you and takes you back, having faith will make you bigger and move you forward. Number four, stop, look, and listen to God before you take the next step. Understanding what you have as a possession is a basic piece of theology. But you'll find God has simple directions for you that are not that hard to understand each step of the way. He will speak it to you, and all you got to do is listen to Him and move forward. As I go through the Scriptures, I find every single one of the victories that people had were because they looked to the Lord. And if you develop in your life a little practice that before you do something, just look up. Say, what do you think, Lord? Don't go, bless me, Lord, as I do what I've planned to do. Surrender to His Lordship so that you're prepared for Him to make a change to you and your plan if it needs, it, if it needs changing. Now, I know, you, I know you love Him. I know He's cute. I know He's promised to take you to Paris. I know He's got... But why don't you go, what do you think, Lord? Uh, that's a little scary. I don't know if I trust Him with that. I've got this guy. Oh, that was a little close to the bone, wasn't it? Went real quiet in here. Amen. We're going to go into this partnership, Lord. Bless me as I go into this business partnership. No, no, no. Go. What do you think, Lord? Just a little change that has huge ramifications. Possessing your promised land, you're thinking, oh, this guy's got such a good promise about how he's going to make all these millions of dollars. This must be my promised land. That's the blessing of God. I know it is. God, put your hand on me. Bless me. Pastor, could you just put your hand on me? I'm about to move into this decision. You know, that I'm just going to believe God. What about saying, what do you think, Lord? Should I or shouldn't I? Oh, that's where Jesus is Lord. 
not servant. He's not Father Christmas. Bring me this. I've been a good boy. He's somebody you submit to. And so when Joshua, the man of faith, the warrior goes to the lake, he says, what do you think I should do, Lord? He says, walk around the city. Okay, I'll do that. Bam, bam, bam. Does it, bam. He gets so inflated with the victory of that, he forgets what he did. And he thinks, I'll take this next city. It'll be easy. It's a little one. AI, he gets defeated there. 37 men die. He didn't look to the Lord. He didn't stop and look to the Lord. If he'd gone, how are we going to do this next one, Lord? The Lord would have said, there's somebody who took the tithe. You better go fix that up. And he would have fixed it and had another victory. But he didn't look to the Lord and didn't get the enlightenment that he needed right then. So each step of the way that you are possessing the land, stop, look, listen to God before you do the next step. Number five, be prepared to fight. There's going to be a fight involved. You're going to have to go into battle with some things. They push against you, you push back. They push against you, you push back. You're getting condemned, you push back. I'm forgiven. Comes again, I'm forgiven. You fight with that condemnation, that accusation in your mind, and finally... It's gone. You think, whoa, I haven't had those thoughts for days. You got the temptation to do something that you gave up in the television or in your computer. Pushes, come on, come on, have you push back. No, I made the choice. The fight goes. It's a fight. But fight the thing and you will win. God won't do the fight that he's destined you to do because it grows you. You develop muscles in the fight. Remember, the little things are as important as the big, number six. Don't be fooled by little challenges, which I've spoken about. AI, just a little town. Don't think that, oh, that little thing in my life, it's not really going to get me. Little things can get you just as much as big things. And the last one is seven, persevere, be patient. It doesn't all happen in one day. You won't possess all your land just because you're, oh, that's, that's a message I needed. My Lord, I'm a conqueror. I'm a victorious. I've got the genetics of God. I've got my promised land. And boom, then you meet a big trial, big problem. Or you find some fault in yourself or you make a mistake and you stumble. You think, oh, what was all that about? Step by step, you'll make it. Not all in one day. You're going to gulp it down. In fact, God says in Exodus 23, 29, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Little by little you'll possess the promised land in this area and you'll possess it in this area, in your family, in your emotions, in your finances, this area, and you will gradually consolidate the ground you've taken, hold on to it, assimilate it into your world, and move on to the next one. Philippians 3.16 says, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by that same rule. So he's saying, let's stay on that level that we've managed to get to instead of dropping back. Better to go up six inches than six feet and not be able to hold it. Better to go up six inches, hold, hold, hold. Go up another six inches, hold, hold. Because uh, our level of growth becomes closely connected to our level of inheritance. Galatians 4, verse 1 to 2. Now I say that the heir, as long as, as, a, as long as he is a child, doesn't differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards 
until the time appointed by the Father. So there is a maturing that comes in our lives that helps us possess all the things that God has got for us. Here I'm saying to you today, saints, there's more to you than meets the eye. You're the born identity. You've got some form of identification on you. When your card doesn't work, amen. Just tell them in the lobby, yes, I'm a child of God, amen. Let me in that room. But don't say pastor. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.